kids apparently or people i don't know if it's kids specifically or people in general were allowed out of their dwellings for the first time in six weeks wow and so there's just a bunch of these pictures of mm. kids in masks just <laughs> being very happy <laughs> to be outside uh-huh. which made me sad and happy <laughs> at the same time uh-huh. April 27th? Yes. Uh, yeah. Lots of talk about things opening back up again. Very exciting. But it's still really far away. But I guess we should go through... Yeah, so what's the news up. today is Ontario released its framework for reopening our province. Mm-hmm. So the good part of this is that it is, in fact, a framework, not a plan. Mm-hmm. A roadmap, not a calendar, says Doug Ford, mm-hmm. which is what we were looking for. You don't want to be held to certain dates. You want mm. benchmarks. Mm-hmm. Although I still saw people complaining on Twitter that they wanted dates. And mm. I'm like, ugh. You don't get it. Yeah. So that's the good part. Mm-hmm. The bad part is I found it very... Lucy goosey i found it to not contain a lot more information than we had just said on this podcast (laughs) like just yeah i mean you could guess basically what they're doing yeah i mean i mean which makes sense too yeah it's good that we're all actually put their benchmarks (coughs) so there's three a three-stage plan Mm mm-hmm with four metrics. So stage one is protect and support, which mm-hmm. is what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Phase two is to restart with a step-by-step approach. Mm-hmm. And then phase three is to recover. Mm-hmm. Seems pretty self-evident. Yeah. Okay. So then the metrics. So when are we going to ease public health measures? So there's four things that they're going to be looking at. So... They're going to be looking at the virus spread and virus spread going down and containment increasing. Mm-hmm. So you need to s- we need to see a consistent two to four week decrease in the number of new daily COVID nineteen cases, mm-hmm. and a decrease in the rate of cases that cannot be traced to a source. Mm-hmm. So that's actually that's actually that's pretty interesting very exciting that they're talking about that yeah <coughs> i mean the people i feel like the good country the countries that did the best at this were doing that all along mm-hmm. it's like i mean it's good that they understand yeah the people leading understand that that's important but why haven't they been doing it all along still a question well they have been trying to trace but they still just have a lot of a lot of cases they aren't able to trace. They don't know where they came from. Right. So basically they're saying like it's better to have 100 new cases a day when you know where every single one originated from mm-hmm. than 100 cases a day where you have no idea where they're coming from. Right. I see. So it's more valuable the less that's going on. Huh? Did I misunderstand what you said? You want to know where the cases came from. Yeah, that's what so I mean. So it's easier to know when it's things are coming down as opposed to when there's. So you're more confident that 
you understand where your outbreaks are. If you just have people coming in from all over the city and you have no idea where it's coming from, then you can yeah. imagine that there's wide community spread, most of which is not identified. But I mean, okay, like South Korea was doing contact tracing all through, like at the worst, at the height of their thing. Like why? This isn't about specifically contact tracing. It's about when you're, once you've done the contact tracing, did you come up with an answer? Right. Well, to some degree, it's just letting the people that might have come into contact know that they should not be. Okay, those are two separate things. So, the okay, we're talking about what are we talking where, about? so if somebody is diagnosed with COVID-19, yeah. somebody gets a positive test, Yeah. do you know where that person picked it up? Right. I see what you mean. Going you backwards. Going backwards. Where did it come from? Where did they get it from? Not who have they been in contact with that we need to warn. I see. Going forward. But where did they get it from? I see. If you know where they got it from, you like you know who their contact was, mm -hmm. then you understand that chain of transmission. If you have a whole bunch of people popping up and you don't know where they got it from, then mm -hmm. you don't know the chain of transmission. You have no idea how many infected people are just out there spreading it. Right. How much of the iceberg are you seeing? Yeah, I think I got it. In theory, though, wouldn't it just... It would still be valuable to understand that at any time. Yes. Okay. That's all. That's, that's why it's a metric. Yeah. They're saying if we don't know where it's coming from, that's bad. Did we? We got it? I think we got it. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first metric. The second metric is health system capacity mm -hmm. to ensure there is an effective response to any potential resurgence. Mm -hmm. So that looks at like ICU capacities and availability of PPE. The third one is public health system capacity. So making sure that there's enough people to contact new cases and do I don't know tracking is a separate one so the benchmark for this one is approximately 90% of new COVID-19 contacts are being reached by local public health officials within one day and the reaction on Twitter from public health officials was whoa that's a very high benchmark mm -hmm. so I think they're gonna have to work to attain that mm. And then the last metric is incidence tracking capacity mm -hmm. to ensure that any potential resurgence in cases can be identified promptly. Mm -hmm. So that speaks to testing and contact tracing and widespread tracking of cases. Mm -hmm. So all these things are good. Um, but the whole document to me just felt very vague. Yeah. Sounds I like guess it. That's okay. Sounds like we're still two to we're like a month away, maybe two to four weeks away from even the first stage, right? Mm -hmm. The way they said it. Daily. Although I, it, it, they keep saying like they want to see stable numbers of cases or or dropping numbers of cases consistently mm -hmm. for two weeks. Well, according to this graph, mm -hmm. we have had. 
four days of dropping new cases. Mm-hmm. That's, and presumably that's even with increased testing. So that, mm-hmm. like, it's really good. Yeah. If it's dropping under those circumstances. It's true. Hmm. So yeah, another another couple of weeks mm-hmm. before things start opening up again. Mm-hmm. And they fo- so Ontario follows a couple of other provinces that have released plans. So it's New Brunswick and Saskatchewan did. Uh, what did they say? There's some different things. Oh, everyone's saying, yeah, large-scale public gatherings are still going to be restricted, probably until there's a there's a vaccine. Um, so Saskatchewan, New Brunswick offered more detail in their things. So they say, I mean, and they had a f- they had far fewer cases to deal with. Yeah. Saskatchewan unveiled a five-stage plan that's slated to begin May 4th, return of dentists and other medical providers on May 4th, clothing stores, hair salons, massage therapists will reopen May 19th. They have dates. They have dates. See, I don't know about dates. That, like, holds you... I mean, I guess they have way fewer cases, so I think they're, they're at a at point the point where they can have dates. I suspect they've been seeing dropping cases for a while now, right? So they yeah. can be like, like where we'll be hopefully in two weeks. They are already there. After that, there's no firm timetable. Return of things like see, they're still leaving it open for restaurants, gyms, and large gatherings. Yeah. Uh, and then Saskatchewan, later phases of Saskatchewan's plan would see reopening of things like casinos, swimming pools, playgrounds, movie theaters. New Brunswick came out of it uh, with its plan last week. Oh, and New Brunswick's going to allow, they're going to allow households to partner, two households to partner in a two-family bubble. Mm-hmm. And then there will be further relaxing where bubbles can join together, I think. Outdoor spaces and parks and beaches have already been reopened along with golf courses, driving ranges, but not clubhouses or restaurants or bars. Aren't you allowed to bubble now? I don't know. I don't know. As long as you make a bubble? Uh, Anyway. If all goes well, progressively people will be able to extend their bubbles to include more family and friends and gatherings of up to 50 people will be allowed, provincial officials say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, happy sad news out of Spain today. Oh, sorry. Can I oh, just yep. touch? So Quebec also. So Quebec's plans. Okay, so it says elementary schools and daycares outside Greater Montreal region will reopen May 11th. Daycares and elementary schools on the island of Montreal will open May 19th. A week later, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know how wise that is. but. Okay, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, happy sad news in Spain. Spain. Kids, apparently, or people, I don't know if it's kids specifically, or people in general, were allowed out of their dwellings for the first time in six weeks. Wow. 
And so there's just a, a bunch of these pictures with mm. kids in masks just <laughs> being very happy <laughs> to be outside. Uh-huh. Which made me sad and happy <laughs> at the same time. Uh-huh. And a very sad piece of news out of New York, mm. which is, I don't know if you saw this article about Dr. Lorna M. Breen. No the medical director of an emergency room of the emergency room at New York Presbyterian Allen Hospital. She died by suicide. Oh. Yeah. I feel like that's not going to be the last case like that. Yeah. Out of the hard hit areas. It's just too much like people compare it a lot to war and say things like we'll never be the same and talk about PTSD and yeah I think it's unavoidable that you'll have that when circumstances are that dire Mm -hmm. and so her parents said to remember her as the hero that she was Mm. um And then the only other thing I wanted to mention today was I read this fascinating article Mm -hmm. in The New Yorker. Mm -hmm. I've seen two different titles for it. But anyways, the title I'm seeing right now is Seattle's Leaders Let Scientists Take the Lead. New York's Did Not. Mm. And it goes through very detailed response to the emerging epidemics in both Seattle and New York. Mm. And there's um, a training program in the U.S. called the Epidemic Intelligence Service. Okay. That's run out of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And um, there's, like, graduates of this program all over hmm. the country. Just waiting for this sort of thing Just to waiting happen. waiting for <laughs> this sort of thing to happen, <laughs> kind <laughs> of. And there's, like, a playbook. And mm. basically, Seattle just, like, textbook followed the plan the plan and new york didn't and the one kind of keystone of this plan that i thought was really interesting Mm. and that we are not seeing here in ontario Mm. so much is that it's really important to have a non-politician be the spokesperson for communicating with the public Mm. because they say as soon as you get a politician up there you're going to have like half the population consider not doing what you say, like for partisan reasons, right? Mm. Or be questioning your motives politically. Mm. And so it's good to have like one spokesperson Mm. that the public can kind of learn to trust and build a relationship with, Mm. and they should not be a politician. And then there's like specific like, Interesting. Guidance on how they communicate also. And I feel like we saw that very clearly in BC with Bonnie Henry. And mm. very clearly in Alberta with Dina Crenshaw. Is that her name? I think so. I know their names. Like that's how clear yeah. it was. No, that's great. But th- both Trudeau <laughs> and Ford are doing their own daily press conferences. The public health officials are also doing their own daily press conferences, but they get overshadowed. Do they? By the politicians. I think so, yeah. 
the definitely today. So I watched today this unveiling of the thing, and Doug Ford. Well, Doug F- I, announced yeah. it, and then it was like the Christine Elliott, and then it was like the finance minister, and then it was this other person, and then after that press conference was the separate um minister. Uh, what's the David Williams? I can never remember his position. Dr. David Williams mm-hmm. and Dr. Barbara Yaffe did their own separate press conference where they basically said nothing. Like they basically just announced the day's numbers and I was like, well, you saw Doug Ford's announcement. Uh, we'll take questions now. Like they were not the communicators at all. Yeah. I have to say though, like it, it comes down, I think it's very... Like, so U.S. is far more polarized, so I can understand also things are far more, like, if you're a Democrat, you're not going to listen to a Republican governor or something, Mm -hmm. like, tell you what to do. But maybe, I don't know. I I feel like uh, someone who opposes a lot of what Doug Ford used to stand, like, you know, who he ran as in his initial... Mm-hmm. moves as a premier i would be the type of person who might s- might not listen not want to listen to him but yep. he is the one that gave me confidence in what's happening like the fact that the public health people i mean maybe it's also the fact that the public health leadership didn't know what or they were they doing they were not impressive yeah they didn't know what they were doing so in <coughs> in the absence if if you had a str- if you had a good public health person maybe that's better but but in the in this particular case i think it's important that doug ford i'm not saying he shouldn't have been i'm not saying he did a bad job yeah it just doesn't I'm follow that just, yeah rule book i'm yeah. just saying it's doesn't the playbook yeah sure fit with the playbook yeah <coughs> yeah i just i just wonder how much it has to do with the, how good the leader is how good the public health people are how good you know what all that yeah. stuff how polarized your society is yeah so it doesn't look this article does not mm-hmm. speak favorably of cuomo or de blasio right new york but it's a very good read hmm Highly recommended it. Recommend it. Hmm. And I love, I love when reporters like get really into the details of like this person was emailing this person and these people <laughs> had this conversation. They decided <laughs> this and like just how it all unfolds. And I, like, I want to know how that happened for Ontario too. Right. What was going on at in the Toronto level? and what was going on? What were, who were all the people? David Fisman wants you to believe that some of that stuff's going to come out still. There's some stories that yeah. need to be told. Be interesting. It it does it just that comment makes me think about Marcus Aurelius. So Mar- he was one of the emperors of Rome, and he lived through a p- which which pl- what plague would it have been? What I don't know. I think I want to. S- I don't know, whatever. He lived through a plague, okay? So he was the leader of Rome at a time. He died from the plague. So he was, people point to him and say, look at how this leader took Rome, brought Rome through that. And he, and the way he led was by being up out front every day, 
talking with people, visiting with people, um, you know, preparing, but not being afraid, showing that he was preparing and getting people ready for what had to happen, but not being afraid. He was, he's one of the, whatever, he gave birth to the Stoic movement, right? One of the people. And it's, it's an interesting story because it was during a time like this, when many, many people were dying, that he had to rely on his own, like that whole, he was tested in the way, you know, the Stoic philosophy was tested in a sense that he like, is it, does it show what, do you have it up there? Yeah, the Antonine Plague? Yeah. Antonini Plague? Yeah, whatever. It, it killed five million people. And it killed him in the very end. Like he, he lived through it for, I don't know, a few years or something, and then at the end it killed him. But really, that's what. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. They didn't say that. Yeah. Anyways, just a thought. Anyways, do you have anything else to? Do you have something else to say? Yeah. One other thought that just came to me as I was listening to a podcast. They were talking about businesses and how well in the. St- in the states and i think in canada today they just they opened up the wages whatever the program is to support companies where they're you know they need their workers to support workers wages while things Mm -hmm. are in a downturn and so they opened that and it was flooded i don't know how well it's going or anything like that but in the u.s there's there's a lot of um suggestion that companies that didn't really need this PPP went in and got money because it was kind of like free money up for grabs. And so everyone felt like there was sort of this mad dash to get the money and it ran out before uh, the companies that actually needed it were going to get it and so on. But it seems like what there's going to be companies who do stuff like that, but the companies that are actually going to come out of this, the strongest are the companies that are pivoting and trying to find new opportunities right now. And there's, th- it sounds like there's no shortage. Like I, I'm sure this doesn't hold for all industries, but many industries, if people figure out what is in dire need, there are a lot of them for society right now. And companies that are turning to those needs are just flourishing. Like they're, they're hiring new people and trying to, it's tough for them to, yeah, they're, they're helping society and they're being successful businesses. I think that's all I wanted to say about that. All right. Susan had a joke, if you're looking for a joke. What was Susan's joke? This is the worst episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> This is the worst episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. Okay. Also, for the average American, the best way to tell if you have COVID-19 is to cough in a rich person's face and wait for their test results. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was good. (laughs) Funny and probably accurate. Yeah. All right, are we done? We're done. Good night. Good night.